Hey there, party people. It's Office Hours podcast time. Welcome to Office Hours, the official podcast of Adobe Creative Cloud just went up three bucks. How are you going to do us like that? They raised their price? uh, Podcast Network. My name is Ashton Staniszewski. I'm David Patino. And welcome to Office Hours, a podcast where we talk about what makes creative people tick and occasionally what camera not to buy. Um, Thanks for joining us, guys. We really appreciate you. This is episode 13. No, 14. 14. 14. 14. Look at that. Time is just flying by with this. We're having a good time. Yeah. Um, So, David, hey, man, uh, you were in Nashville recently. I did. I went for vacation. Visited the South. Yeah. It was hot and it was good. Um, And while I was there, I just happened to Google the right thing and found that there was a Dorothea Lange exhibit in town. and for those of you who don't know who Dorothea Lange is, she did the very famous portrait of the migrant mother. She documented like the Dust Bowl Great Depression stuff way back when. And so there was this like huge exhibit of all of her work. Uh, the entire museum was just her stuff. It was stunning to see because now with my newfound love of all things, you know, printed and film related, uh, it was just interesting to see someone's work like that because it, it just enveloped the entire space. It was cool. Um, have you ever seen any of her stuff, or do you know who she is? I I've, I've heard the no, I've heard the name. Uh, I, I unfortunately have not seen it in person, but I, I do. I, I think that you know, we talked about the printing episode a couple episodes back. Like the idea that when you print the work and you put it in a space, and it kind of it takes room, it takes up, you know, yeah, area. Like that's you can really get into it, and I think that's magnificent. Yeah, it was really cool because um, it's funny because you know she's known for this this one portrait called migrant mother and it's it's beautiful but what was cool is that the show had the other 10 shots or 10 other shots that she had taken during that session if you want to call it that and so there was these outtakes for lack of a better term uh of all the other shots that she tried which i just find the most interesting thing because like you see everybody's work and you see all their finished pieces and you know uh, I've talked about it before, like any chance I can get to look at someone's contact sheet or whatever, I'm always like just completely intrigued by it because it lets you see what they were going through and how they thought out the the shoot and walked around and did stuff. And yeah, so it was just cool to kind of get, get a glimpse of all that stuff. We talked about how, like how amazing it is to see contact sheets, um, you know, to kind of see the artist, where they were going, what they were thinking. But then... I don't know. My contact sheets would be awful. <laughs> there's no magical, like there's no fairy dust in, in the contact sheets that I would be spitting out. Someone would be like, Oh, that he didn't have it. Anything there, nothing there, nothing there, nothing there. I, I guess that's something. Sure. Why not? Wow. It took him a while to figure that out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a lot of chimping going on there, buddy. Yeah. Especially with all the time and date stamps nowadays. <laughs> oh man. It's like one sec, like literally one second apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually it was funny as I was walking around and, and I saw stuff like that I was like man I wonder like how long did she spend shooting this family or how long did she spend shooting this you know whatever it was because you know a lot of the time you you don't get any time people are moving and they're doing stuff and you're just like there to grab a picture of them and so uh, I don't know like did she get a day to make 12 pictures or did she do it in five minutes on a four by five there, it would be amazing to have like those types of, of questions answered. Right. I think, I mean, like, I don't know. It's like 
if you're going to have dinner with someone alive, living or living or dead, you know, that kind of situation. Yeah. What kind of questions would you have asked them? How many pictures did you take? <laughs> That's all I want to know. <laughs> so you were out there and I mean, I guess how many pictures did you make for yourself? Did you, did you go out and make some stuff, some widgets for yourself? I did. It was cool. Actually. I, I brought a lot of gear with me. Um, so basically me and like six other people rented this big old house out outside of Nashville and on 10 acres of property. And so it was just a lot of like hanging out and grilling and sitting by the pool and drinking more beers. And um, I brought a bunch of cameras with me and I think I took like two, maybe two or three pictures on my Fuji. And then that promptly got put back in the bag. And for the rest of the week, I shot film listen to everybody sigh and make fun of me now look um, at you i did i did i i i just i shot tons of 120 and it was cool because i was with people um who were more than willing to have their picture taken and so i ended up shooting a lot of portraits of the people i was with hanging around some very formal and some very off the cuff you know just total hangout stuff but uh yeah and then i promptly came home and developed it all in my kitchen because that's a new thing now learning so, new skills yeah, I mean, like, look at you, summer of David Patino over here. Yeah, which is funny because literally up until last year, if somebody had said to me, like, oh, you don't shoot film, I would have been like, no, Jack Wad, I have a digital camera. Why would I ever shoot film? Um, and it was funny, everybody in the house kept asking me, like, why Why are you shooting on that? And I just had this, my answer was, like, I do so much of, like, intense scrutinizing photography where, like, I pick everything apart that it's fun to just do this and be limited to however many pictures are on that roll or whatever, you know, ISO I was shooting. And so I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kitschy, but at the same time, like I get it now, like, uh, you know, it's kind of fun for me to put those. I always like putting limitations on myself. We've talked about this before and film for me is a massive limitation, <laughs> like massive a, because I don't really know how to use it. I'm just learning all about it. And so it makes it that much more, exciting for me to pick up a camera i think like i try to do a couple of rolls of 35 every year i yeah. mean just you know stuff to keep the cameras like lubricated and right. moving and all that <laughs> uh, and I, I feel super like artistic when i do it but like nothing ever quite prepares you for the first roll of completely blown film yeah You're like all right well that was that was 36 exposures where i just guffed it <laughs> black blackness yep. <laughs> yeah it's just oh just terrible what was i thinking yeah um no, but I get that. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I think I learned with film um, many, many years ago. And, you know, it's one of those things where now that we do have digital, I think we do take advantage a little bit of that. Like it's, we kind of take it for granted that whole, it's instant. You have the instant gratification. You can make adjustments on the fly, you know, and, and having that film moment, like take shooting film kind of does make you slow down. Yeah. You really got to think through it. Um, so did you have like an exposure, uh, meter? Did you have, I like, did. were you metering? Would you metering I, things with your, I dug out my old Sekonic that I, I you, kept did you wear it around reason? your neck? Like a true artiste? No, I gave it to my wife and made her carry it. <laughs> <laughs> she was a good, she was a good assistant until she got bored. <laughs> it's like four shots in then. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, no, it was super. It was, yeah, I, I, I shot, I'll, I'll be honest. I shot, uh, 90% on a Mamiya RB67. So talk about bulky and, you know, not being really compact and light, but, um, yeah, I shot a ton on that. And then I have a little like Canon GL three that I shot some, some 35 mil on that, um, has to go out to get developed. Cause 
I don't do ectochrome here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we'll see what happens there. I don't know. I, I just, I kind of, I really, I, I didn't work last week at all. I literally took the week off. And so not having digital and trying to, I don't know, really make something was just cathartic and relaxing. I don't know. I feel like film is having its own little renaissance now. I mean, I think, I mean, it's in a couple of years now. It's been that way, like mm-hmm. the Visco, Mastin mm-hmm. Labs, kind of, you know, that whole push of make things look like film. I think the interesting one is Mastin because, yeah. you know, Kirk Mastin, the guy that created those things, like he pushes the whole hybrid shooter idea where yeah. you shoot digital like you have the presets to match your film camera, not the other way around. Like you're sure. not trying to make it look film. You're trying to match the film you're already shooting. Um, and so it's have, there's been this huge wave of photographers, you know, picking up these older film cameras and, and getting back into it. And I think what's really cool about his whole thing, like, you know, like the stuff he makes is, I mean, it's, the presets are great. They're great, incredible presets. They all have a really great look. They're very authentic. They, they get pretty close. Um, but you, so I'm 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 like a member on one of those boards, those Facebook groups mm-hmm. where all the people share their work. It's it's fun to see it, um, and you see all these people that are hybrid shooters, like they're picking up these old Pentax 645s, you know, the Mamiya group. There's a couple like really brave souls there that shoot contacts, like oh, wow. the, the the contacts bodies, like which are like super super. F- Have you ever shot a contacts before? Mm, no. It's it's incredible. They're incredible pieces of equipment, but they are like the most finicky pieces. Like so finicky. Like oh, really? you, you breathe on it wrong, and it's like, nope, sorry, not going to work for you. <laughs> um, but they have they this they have this lens. There's this they have a piece of glass. It's an um, it's a f- uh, eighty five f two. Oh wow! And it's gorgeous. Um. Like, I don't think I've ever quite seen a lens that renders as pretty as that. Really? You know, you get, I'll get all romantic on sure. it. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's still incredibly expensive. I think the contacts kit is still like two or three grand. Yeah. Which That's for a, a film body is just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Um, Although you're seeing that resurgence. I mean, like. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, all the, what do you call it? The Pentax, the six sevens, six by seven, whatever. The, they're so much money right now. And two years ago, you could get them for like 200 bucks. Nobody wanted them. You know, cassette tapes are coming back, and who the hell knows? <laughs> Actually, I saw this. Uh, I, 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 who was it? There was an artist that recently, like a mainstream pop artist that recently put out an album, but to do the promos for it, like he or she, I can't remember who. Yes. They like sent out tape recorders, like a like the, the, the singles on a cassette, and it came in like a care package with a cassette player. It was, what's his name? Sean Mendez? Sean Mendez? Yeah. Sean Mendez. Um that is wild i think that's such a cool yeah it's a cool idea i mean sonically i don't know how that worked out but (laughs) i think the the factor like i mean we're talking about it now we're not a music podcast at all so i think it totally works you know everything old is new again yeah and it made people stop and listen if honestly if you had opened uh, a thumb drive you would have been like oh cool i'm gonna listen to this later if you opened a freaking cassette tape with a old like radio shack recorder no you're stopping what you're doing and you're listening to that so yeah hell yeah sean mendez <laughs> good job ed that's pretty cool pretty cool man uh, um what about all you right. work anything actually just last week i finished up a a small like a pickup campaign type shoot for uh my old friends back at the agency nice so yeah um got to see some old fa- uh, see some old friends 
make some jokes that should have been retired long ago. <laughs> of course. But yeah, otherwise solid. I actually, um, I shot the, um, I shot the new, not the new, the new to me, the Fuji 7200 equivalent, that big honking lens. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just a fun little, I mean, like I rented it, I rented it for another gig I had that week that was like more event style where I had to be further back in the room. But then I ended up pulling it out of the gear bag for this thing and pleasantly surprised. I mean, like just a great, great all around lens. Um, so that's yeah, a, like. That's like a, I mean, I don't want to say mid-range, but mid-range price, right? It's like 1200 bucks or somewhere around there. Something like 1500 bucks. It's up know. there. I mean, I wouldn't say it's not like a Canon 7200 obliterate your wallet expensive. Right, right. But I mean, in terms of like image quality and because I've shot them both and I don't know, I'd be hard pressed to tell a difference. It looks really good. So that was a lot of fun. But nice. yeah, uh, you know, just jobs, man, you know. J-O-B's. <laughs> Got to get them. Got to get them <laughs> in the can. Um, all right. So purchases. Any new purchases? I fell victim to my own gear acquisition syndrome. I bought a um, I bought a field recorder um, because it was like a super cheap price and like why not? I'll probably find a use use for it. And then my my favorite little pickup. <laughs> Gosh, I remember how we talked about we wouldn't talk about gear, and here we are <laughs> talking about gear. Um, I picked up one of those little Godox LED video lights, the yeah. SL sixties. So these things are like all over YouTube right now. People are just going crazy about it because they're super cheap and quite effective. So it's like it's equivalent to I think there's like an aperture light, the 120D, which is like the go-to de facto YouTuber yeah. scrappy production light. Totally. Um, and I think it's like I don't know 800 bucks, and it's an incredible light. I've used them before; they're super awesome. But this one is 130 bucks, like super cheap, and light is equivalent i mean it's it's close enough and when you're saving that much money sure why not why not pick up a couple so i have a couple of those um nice and i've even convinced some people to to buy them too so it's godox send me a check godox yeah I'm, we're not I'm sponsored by your stuff. anybody are we <laughs> just lacroix just lacroix <laughs> don't blow what it. a fresh take <laughs> sponsored by lacroix yeah, so yeah, I picked up one of those and you know, like I don't know. I I'm all you know me. I'm all about that whole doing doing more with less situation. Like Hell yeah. I like having I like cheap lights. I think that's like a dirty word in our industry and I don't know why. It's like it shouldn't be. It's always if you been. can get your if you can get the job done with less stuff, then you know what? You are my kind of person. We should hang out. Yeah, I mean I agree with you hundred percent. If you if you can get the job done, who the hell cares what it is? To circle back to my Nashville and tie this all in, I had uh, several moments where I was standing in front of photographs, staring at them, and I was reading the placard next to it. And nowhere on a placard in any museum does it ever say what they shot it with or what their settings were. So who the hell cares if you shot it with a Godox or an Aperture or an Astra or a Breeze? thirty thousand dollars who cares as long as the shot looks good and it conveys some sort of meaning and evokes emotion have at it now that you've said that though that's a great <laughs> idea so when i open a gallery someday in my in my ten, long tenured career yeah instead of having names of the art and like descriptions about what happened and what went into them and what i was feeling when i made it i'm just gonna say you know dsc 00434.jpg <laughs> <laughs> Exif one over one twenty 
F4.5 ISO 250. You got to just print all the XF. All the X. Just and then yeah, yeah. just that's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the, with the longitude and latitude and everything. Yeah, for on sure. All the GPS data. <laughs> Exported with a uh, Photoshop CC version 15,000 exactly. whatever right now. It's true though. I mean, honestly, you look through magazines, you look on whatever, uh, you know, galleries and you know, we're the only ones who sit around talking about what goes into the making of it and um, you know, there's something behind it, but at the same time just go out and take more pictures and stop worrying about it. it. I mean, it is my least favorite question that you see posted on any kind of like photography grouping or like it's a common out. It's a common question. And I, I don't know, like I'm going to call out some stuff here. But like if you if the first question you ask when you see someone's work is what settings you use, yeah. you've just completely shown your cards as like a novice slash amateur. It's like the first question that I think most people that are new to that part of it ask and it's like okay i know exactly what you're after now and like i'll entertain your question i'll tell you like okay sure this is what the setting is but that you can't carbon you can't copy paste those things and i feel like that's why that question is so silly because settings is very much like a situational thing totally it's all based on where you are what you're doing how you're lighting it where you're at how you know all that stuff and you know like oh you know one over 125 is different depending on where you're at what kind of camera you're using like the numbers are the same but your your desired effect might be different you know yeah and they don't mean the same thing from system to system they do not (laughs) you're absolutely right i think they do (laughs) and so to think oh well if i just know the numbers and i can copy the results i wish it was that easy if that was if that was the case i would have been a lot better at this a lot earlier even I love when you see, you know, there's a lot of magazines that do it and there's a lot of YouTubers that do it and they'll show you all the behind the scenes and they show you the diagram of where the person was and where the light was and where the camera was and where the kicker was. Even that, man, you know, you try to recreate that looking at someone else's behind the scenes shot, it's still going to look different. It's always yeah. going to look different because you're never in that same place during that same time frame that they were. And everything's shifting, you know, I don't have to tell you, everything's shifting and so... It might look that way at 12.05 on, you know, on a Tuesday in October, but come Tuesday in, in December, it ain't going to look that way. It's going to look totally different. I'll get off my high horse now. Yeah, right. There's a bunch of folks that are bemoaning us now. They're getting, <laughs> they're getting all about the craft now. One star. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but going on in, you know, in the same vein, but getting off the whole, the whole uh, whatever train we were just on. I, I want to talk to you about flawed ideas. Oh, here we and, go. <laughs> you know about flawed ideas, right? That's <laughs> like everything I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was having this conversation the other day and I thought this is like podcast material. I need to carry this on because Ashton will know what I'm talking about. Um, but like literally knowing when to stop and move on. Having that That's moment where- a lot harder than it is. <laughs> yeah. No. Continue. Yeah. You know, there's that you can feel the sweat like just where your hair meets your forehead. Usually it gets a little moist and you're like, oh my God, nothing's going right. This is all crap. But do you keep going or do you stop and go like, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to go try something else today. Or I'm going to move 10 feet over here and take a different picture. Totally depends on the situation and how many clients are around. <laughs> And how, how, how privy they are to what's going on. No, I don't know. I think, I mean, I've talked about this before. Like my whole thing is like what makes you professional, anything creative, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's not that you draw a paycheck. It's not that you have clients. It's not that, you know, 
whatever it's it's when things go wrong which they inevitably will they always do Mm -hmm. you know how to move forward and you know how to do it in a way that your client doesn't sweat that detail you know because your job is to do to do all that thinking so they don't have to and so yeah i mean like i I, gosh i've totally had those moments where something is not working and you're just you keep trying you keep trying you go okay maybe i should bail out yeah um and i I don't know i think i bail out sometimes i think like i'm not afraid to ditch an idea if it's not very good like even if it's especially if it's my idea like i have a bunch of like thoughts like oh let me just try this really quick and then the first like two shots if it isn't a thing dump it onto the next one because i mean you know i don't know if your shoots are like this but i think in a constant need to provide value there's um you know shot lists are getting longer they're getting more specific they're getting you know there's a lot more stuff that gets made in an eight to ten hour production day like my last shoot last week i mean we had gosh i mean we had two two brands so it's like each shot had to be done twice um for two different brands and like you have to kind of like we tried to vary the look a little bit so they're not identical sure so it's like i don't know i'm mean, just for sake of the argument i think it's like 30 shots right so it's like 30 specific things you times that by two times like however many pictures you make per stop like that's a lot of that's pictures lot. to make yeah and you know i think there's there's instances where i don't know, i've always said that when you're working with professional talent when you're working with models like you know certain models can do certain looks and that's okay, right? Like not every look is meant for every person. Sure. And it's not like, it's not a knock on the talent. It's not a knock on, on it's just it's just a matter of fact, right? It's just life. Um, yeah. And you know, it's just, that's how you, that's what you, that's what you look like and you're not meant to look like that and that's okay. But like, I think as the photographer, it's our job to know that, like to see it when it's not a thing and to not waste any more time on either end of it. Not You're yeah. not wasting a talent's time. You're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your client's time. Um, and you move on, you move on to the next thing that, you know, will work or you try it until it does. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think I bail out of ideas, not, not super quickly. If I'm like super determined, I'll try. Yeah. But if someone's really struggling, if, you know, if I'm struggling, like I'm not afraid to kind of ax it and just say, all right, we're gonna try something different. Well, yeah, totally. I think you brought up the most interesting point, which is when it's not your idea. When, you know, when somebody else in the room has said like, this is the shot we're doing and, and you're doing everything right, or you think at least you're confident that you're doing as much as you possibly can, but it's just not going to be a good shot. That's hard when you have to turn around and be like, you know, I'm just not feeling it, or I don't think it's going to jive or whatever words you try to use to make, (laughs) to make it less abrasive, but being like, we need to stop and move on. Let's try something else, or let's just turn this 180 degrees or whatever it is. That's that takes a certain amount of couth and uh, talent in and of itself to, you know, not steamroll somebody, but be like, hey, that was a great idea, but let's maybe tweak it a little bit. Agreed. I think like where in my experience, it's, it's you know, because you, you, the client is asking you to do, fulfill an idea and that's your job is to kind of execute on those. And when one idea might not be working, the execution isn't as flawless or it isn't as come together the way that you want it to. I always try to change, you know, it's like you, you tweak small things like, okay, what if we try it from a slightly lower angle? Or what if we tried to move a light a little bit more this way? Or we tried to create a slightly more dynamic look doing this thing. Um, so you're taking the original idea and you try to do it as, as proposed. If it's not working, you try to put your spin on it. You try to slowly put your, 
your thumbprint on it until you get it or massage it into place using what you know yeah. and your abilities and all that to kind of do that. And I don't know, in my experience, more often than not, you know, client ends up being pleased with that. And if they're, if we're not, if it's just not working, then they understand like, okay, we tried it and it just wasn't a thing. So they're, right. I think, I think that's the, the other part is that, and, and I've been really, really lucky to have clients that, that trust me to do that when that happens. But then they're also give me enough grace to be like, you know what? I got it. That wasn't an idea that wasn't going to work. So let's just try something. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation and knock on wood, I'm using the gesture now because I don't want to make noise. But like, I, I hope that I'm never in a situation where that AI either steamroll uh, an idea where it's like, I kind of kill the creativity in the room or that, you know, I have a client that thinks this guy was just a hack because he couldn't figure it out. Right. Because I think like, I mean, <laughs> gosh, I hope that never happens. But like, I mean, sometimes the ideas, like they sound great in theory, but from a technical execution, it's just not going to happen. Sure. Or, or from a, a, a physical viewing standpoint i have a, a lot of uh like product stuff that i do where you know let's say it's like housewares and we'll like set a table right now that table looks beautiful but then they go shoot it just like that and then when you shoot it you're like well, it looks like shit like it's just not the right angle it's not the right height it's not the right whatever and you know sometimes sometimes the setting is beautiful in and of itself but finding the best way to present it to the viewer of that image six months down the road, you know, not knowing who that viewer is, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky situation being able to navigate that and, and kind of figure out like, okay, if we, if we shoot it here, it's only going to work for you in these circumstances. If we shoot it here, it'll work for you in these cir circumstances. And so, you know, you become the gatekeeper of like, well, maybe we should do both or maybe we should just move on and try something totally different or let's just make it an overhead and screw the whole thing. You know I mean? I, I don't know, but that's, that's a, the fun of it all. And that's, you know, a, a huge part of the talent of it all, too, is, you know, knowing when to jump ship, like you said, and you know, or or just try something different or, or move around. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's 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 active problem solving. You know, yeah. it's like you're presented with a situation and you're, you're going to encounter hurdles and and technical obstacles and even, you know, like for the lack of a better word, emotional ones, you know, mm -hmm. just the feeling in the room. And you got to kind of navigate that. Um Especially when there's I that do, much money being thrown around. Like when you sure. when you think about how much money is being spent on that photo shoot and you start wasting like even 30 minutes. Like you said, you had 60 shots to do times two. You don't have 30 minutes to waste on trying to figure something out. Mm -mm. It's just, you, you know, you're screwed then. You're you're in overtime and or you're, t you're coming out of your own pocket. Well, and I think like with those situations, like last week, I you know, there was a, there was a good clip of the day where we were behind schedule and, you know, just like the way that it happens things move a little bit slower. You're trying to get off the ground and you kind of work from a deficit. And I think, you know, there were moments where, okay, like I'm going to try the shot and five minutes in wasn't, wasn't working. Let me adjust. Let me move to something else. Let me try. Like you just keep moving. I think that's kind of, I don't know that for me, that's kind of how I, I tackle it. It's just don't mm -hmm. stop trying to keep moving forward. You know, yeah. so you'll, you'll get to it but you got to move quickly, you know, right. and you, you can't stop to think about it for more than a couple seconds at a time. Um, right. It's like, I mean, I, I say active problem solving. It's like you're, you're, you're solving on the fly, you know? Sure. You're embracing the failure as well. <laughs> I think we talked about it with, with Mike Martin the other week, like, you know, knowing when you've messed up and, and being like, oh, okay, cool. Like, well, at least I learned to never do that again. Like, 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because I've literally been on shoots where, it, you know, at 9 a.m. we do a shot and it's not working or whatever. And so we reconfigure and move on. And then six hours later, we're doing something almost identical to it. And everybody in the room is trying to force it again. You're like, but it didn't work earlier. Why are we doing this again? Like, didn't, did we not learn from the, what we messed up this morning royally? Like, let's just try something different. <laughs> I don't know. I've been in situations where you try it again later in the day and something or another, it clicks. And for some reason, that, that is true. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's, if you can, it's all about, you know, time management and figure out if you can try and re-return, you know, do the, totally. the circle back. Um, because like, and I think for sometimes, like, I think like there's a shot, um, not this past gig, but a couple gigs ago where like same, similar situation, you tried it in the morning, it wasn't working can move on with the day, you know, more or less forgot about it. And then, Oh, Hey, let's just try this again. But we tried it with a different, a different actor. And for some reason that person could do the move that we needed. And my light was doing the thing that I needed it Mm -hmm. to do. And I was in just the right position, you know, whatever sitting or crouching or whatever I was doing and it worked. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I think that, there's elements of that. That's the tricky part about art. Sometimes right. it just it just works and sometimes it doesn't. There is no rhyme or reason. There is no for sure. And so just keep rolling with it. <laughs> that said, I am very reliable and I can execute my ideas over and over again at the drop of a hat. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> is, that, is that your phone ringing? Is that, is, yep, that, yep, is, that, is that people calling you right now for work? <laughs> Absolutely. The phone is ringing off the hook. <laughs> and then I woke up. Um, no, that, I mean, I, I, gosh, I think that's such a great idea. I mean, that's such a great concept for, for all artists to kind of embrace, though, is the idea that it doesn't have to be, you know, I think if you have good clients, if you have, if you're worth your salt, you know, you can, you can take an idea and you can massage it into a healthy execution, right? Like you can, oh, yeah. you can put your put your your spin on it, put your your thumbprint, your you know your style and panache on it to make it to make it work in one way or the other. I have this this client um, and the marketing director who's who's in charge of all of it is lovely and famous for being like, nope, don't want it, doesn't look right, I don't care, move on. She'll just come out and say it. And usually everybody else in the room is like, yeah, but maybe we just try a... And she's like, well, you can all do whatever you want, but I'm never going to use it. That's like her famous line. And it's so eloquently put, really, when she says it, because she knows what she's going to use and what she's not going to use. And it's like, let's not waste time doing this. I'd rather waste time on something that I might use or something that might be really cool or might give us a lot of leeway or traction and whatnot. Um, but you know, let's not waste time on this. Let's, let's move on. I think there's merit to having like, you know, I've had, I've worked with my fair share of art directors over the years that are very much like that. You know, it's like we can be on the same wavelength and they can see that like, okay, Ashton's trying to make this work and it, it it's not working the way that we both thought it would or that the client might've thought it would. So let me just kind of jump two steps ahead and say, let's just scrap it. Let's move on to the next thing. And, you know, I think, you know, when you're on a set, when you have your allies, like your creative allies on a set like that, that's so helpful, you know, because mm-hmm. if you're the, you know, if you're the, the, the dude making the dude or dudette making the pictures, if you're kind of making the art, like you have a million things running through your head and you're trying to actively problem solve and make the, the, 
the solve for the problem. You're trying to make that image work. And yeah. so when you know it's not and you're still trying to push it and then you have someone that come, kind of comes in and goes, you know what? I see what you're doing here. I don't like it as much anymore. So let's let's just jump it. That's like a, it's it's like that's the uh, the life preserver, right? That's yeah, right. The, <laughs> Why can't you be on all my shoots? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, I mean, I don't, I've I've had the luxury of working with people that that get that, um, and it's super helpful. So, if you're an art director and you're out there and you have you're working with a photographer and you sense a similar moment, I mean, don't be afraid to to say, you know, let's just let's you know take a couple more shots and see if you can get it. But if not, we can move on and it's okay. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll figure out another way to fill that void on the shot list. Totally. For sure. I mean, there always is. There's always something you're going to pick up along the way. Yeah. Especially on those on those shoots where you're doing massive amounts of, you know, cramming that many shots into a day. Chances are you can move and not worry about it. I also find that like if you're able to kind of get away from the stuff that you've, you know, like it's the whole pick up shots on the back end. If you find yourself in a position to to have a little bit of extra time or, you know, by scrapping one shot, you open up the opportunity for another. Yeah. You know, it's like, and the sooner you realize that and sooner you get to, to scrapping what doesn't work, the, the sooner you can get to the stuff that might. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, some of my, my favorite shots I've ever made have been, they've been ideas that were not on the shot list. Um, and they came out of like just a shared dialogue on set, you know, we were working through it and you go, what would be cool? What if, what if we tried this? Oh yeah, that would be cool. And I'll, I'll put my spin on and we'll, we'll add one of these. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, bam, you have something great. Sure. Um, but you can't get there unless, you know, you take the time to work towards it, right? You have right. to kind of dance until you get there. Go through the process. That's it. It's a process. As they say, yeah, I just think that's one of the perils of just being being creative. You know, when you're 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 in that moment, you have to kind of know when an idea is not going to work. Um, let me take it one step further, though. I Please. guess you know, you and I have both been at this for a hot minute, and we've seen our fair share of of you know the front lines. How do you know, as a person that's been in business for? Over, almost a decade, over a decade. Mm-hmm. How do you know, how did you know when it was time to move on to the next thing in your professional career? You know, like you talked about earlier how you started shooting weddings and bar mitzvahs and all kinds of stuff and events and you made an a, you made a choice to go to commercial work. And then from there, you made a choice to do the type of commercial work that you do. I mean. Right. And I made a hard, I made a hard stop on it all too. I didn't like... I was just like, I'm not doing weddings anymore. I'm not doing bar mitzvahs anymore. Um, and then there were several times during the next two years where I would literally leave my studio, walk upstairs and go, I think I'm just going to go get a, like a part-time job somewhere to my wife. And she would be like, why? And I'd be like, because clearly I'm no good at this. Like I, I'm not, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. I'm trying everything that I personally know. Maybe I should just pull the plug now. Um, and on the really bad days, I would come upstairs and be like, maybe, maybe you can hire me. Like, maybe I could work for your company. I could just like edit or something. So, but it, it happens, man. And, and, and knowing when to actually pull the plug, <laughs> that's tough. You know, that's, I, I'm glad I didn't, but there was probably a few months there where maybe I should have, or I should have thought way better about my career and, and how to transition from one period to the next. But 
you know, I think having a great support crew around you, again, like having a great art director on set or having a great assistant or whatever, whoever it is, I, I think thinking that you can go it alone is the dumbest thing that you can possibly think. You need to have someone else around you, even if it's just for moral support at the very least, but probably a lot more than that. You know, I think that you've always said this too to me is that like having a great team will make you that much more of a great photographer. And I think that that's, yes, that goes for everything in that career and, 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 you know, whatever, and in, in any creative endeavor is that, you know, having, having, building yourself up with, with lots of people, probably, you probably have a much better chance of succeeding at that point. And so even just coming home and saying to my wife, like, I should probably go get a job at the camera store down the street and having her laugh and say, it's cool. Just, you know, maybe try these three things. Even if I didn't do them, even if I, I probably looked at her and went, that's stupid and walked out of the room, you know, just because I was so down on myself. But just being able to, to hash it out for a minute probably helped a lot and kept me going as a photographer. I think that's a great point. You know, having having a network of people that support you. And I think that that comes in many different forms. It's your friends, it's your family, it's it's your clients. It's people that, you know, that, that paid you and hired you to do the jobs, continuing to pay you and hire you to do the jobs, you know? And I think um, having, building those connections and having that support network is helpful. Um, I, I've, I've been at this for a little while and in my time I've seen a handful of really, really talented people hang it up for similar reasons. It's, you know, it's the uncertainty of knowing what's next and, you know, driving for the next thing. And if you hit that, if you hit that dry spell where nothing, you know, you don't know where the next step's going to be, um, it's a really dangerous place to be. And, you know, for those folks that have hung it up and have gone to do other things, like that's, there's, that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And they've made incredible careers out of that. And they, and some I've have actually done better, than they even imagine they would have done in photography. You know, they, mm. they, they made choices to do something else and they're far happier at that. And so I think it's all kind of, you know, the journey of life, magic air quotes. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, being comfortable with what whatever happens, happens. I, I do think to a certain extent, there's, there is, there's something personal or something within the person that makes that possible to succeed in this, this thing that we call like that freelance hustle. Mm-hmm. Right, because if you truly, truly, truly want it to work, you'll find a way. Right? Yeah. And I think you'll you'll push through the discomfort, you'll push through, you know, the doubt. Um, and There's I think also a certain all, level of planning, though, that goes into it. Yeah, I mean, you well, know? yeah, you got to hedge your bets, and you have to be careful and calculated, and you have to, you know, I think. But I think that's all part of it, though. I think you know, in my my my, you know, life is life. There's a, that's a bigger part of it. So if you know, if you truly, truly want to make that your thing, then, you know, you'll make the plans to say, okay, well, I'm going to save up for a, a, you know, a cold winter, you know, I'm going to, or a hot (laughs) summer, wherever, whatever your metaphor might be, but you'll, you'll find that, that, that thing. Um, See, what kept me going more than anything, I think, is that even when there was those months where I was like, shit, I didn't, like, I didn't book enough jobs to live. Like I don't have enough money right now or I'm, I'm very low or whatever it is. Like, I think the only reason I didn't pull out entirely is because it's not like clients were saying, we're never going to work with you again, or you did a shitty job, or we don't like this picture or we don't, whatever. It, it was never, there was never negative reaction coming. So 
I had this like thought of like, okay, you're not bad at this. Like people still like you. It's just, there's not enough coming in the door, which means it's your fault because you're not going out and getting the work. If people had been telling me that I suck or that maybe I should think about doing something different or, you know, I probably would have approached it differently, to be honest with you. I think a lot of what I was going off of at that time was feedback, not from friends, by the way, but from people who were paying me because I valued their opinion a little bit more. I knew that they weren't play, playing me. You know, they were they were literally saying, like, we've got money, we're going to pay you for it. And if you do a shitty job, we're going to tell you that you did a shitty job because we've just given you money. So I, that, that was big for me, too, is to kind of take a look around and go like, okay, even if you hate your work, <laughs> you know, like we all do every once in a while, are the people that you're working for enjoying it? Are you doing a good job? Are you keeping the clients that you have happy? Do those clients come back to you? And the answer to all those questions was yes. So really it was on me to just go out and find more work at that point. So that's why I didn't just abandon it. Now, this is all in retrospect because at the time I just felt like it was all crumbling everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) And there's no other way to feel than that. Yeah. Yeah. And things weren't bad. Things were never bad though. That's like the, you know, especially now looking back, like I was never like, wow, you were screwed. Like I know people who were screwed, who bankrupted their companies, who closed down their studios, who moved to other states. I mean, you know, I I guess I'm blessed in that essence that I never had to go that far. Now, that being said, if I did have to do that, I probably would have turned around and started a similar business with a different mindset. I would have abandoned the mindset I had if I had run it into the ground because that didn't work. But I really love photography and I know that I'm good at it. So I probably would have opened a different type of photography business at that point. Sure. And I think that that's a huge thing too, is that a lot of people go like, oh, this photo thing is hard. It's hard to find clients. I'm just going to skip out on it. And the fact matters that like, no, you could actually just do a different type of photography and probably kill it. I think this almost lends itself to what we talked about with Will last episode in that, you know, there's there's a mentality that kind of goes with this lifestyle. I say the lifestyle, mm-hmm. magic air quotes again. I'm using those a lot today. But there's a mentality in that, right? I mean, I think that because, you know, the people that I've seen hang it up, um, it wasn't for lack of ability or lack of talent or lack of clients for that matter. I think it was purely life choices. You know, it's here are the things that 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 make me happy and Photography being one of them, but, you know, the consistency of a J-O-B job being the other part of it that mm-hmm. outweighs the love, you know? So, I think that for those folks, it wasn't it wasn't that they had failed. It was that their preference for how they wanted to move forward was something different. It looked different. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, you know, we talked about the discomfort of not knowing what's next. You know, I think you, you get comfortable-ish with it. It's always there in the back of your head, but that's just kind of part of the, that's kind of the table stakes for the game you're playing. Totally. And so, I, I don't know, I think it's, to what you said earlier, it's planning, you know, it's planning for when you know things might be a little bit slower or knowing when you need to kick yourself in the tail and kind of get moving again. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it takes a certain amount of drive to go say, you know what, you're slacking today go pick up the phone, go open your laptop, go write some emails, go get to work. And right. I think, I don't know, that's, that's I, I like being on task, you have to have a lot of on task time because you don't have someone telling you to do it. You just kind of have to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, knowing, knowing that's the lifestyle you're going to choose, 
that affords you the ability to say, I'm a photographer and I get to sit on set all day. Like, you know, the unglamorous versus sexy part of it, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and more so knowing, going back to all of it, is knowing when it's a bad idea, when it's actually a bad idea or when maybe it's just bad timing. You know, like you said, like, hey, maybe this shot isn't working well in the morning, but it works it works better for you six hours down the road, right? It's the same thing. Like maybe you're just not in the right spot in life to make that jump right now, but shit in six months or a year it might be the perfect time for you. You know, and I think being able to recognize that and, and, and kind of not just recognize it, but, but feed off of it as well. Cause that could, you know, if you're not in the right spot, if the shot's not working or making uh, the jump as a photographer isn't working now, you can reposition yourself to make that shit work. Yeah. So it can yeah. be wildly motivating and frustrating all at the same time. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember, and I keep talking about our last conversation with Will, where he mentioned, some, like, we asked him about if he would ever take a job. job. Yeah. And his response was, maybe. Sure. You know, like, it's never off the table, you know, as much as he enjoys being his own boss and doing his own thing and, you know, that kind of, that kind of deal, like, yeah. If there was a job job that offered him something that he could not get being his own boss, whether it be money or security or know, health insurance, whatever it might be, like right. everyone's got their own things, but it's not to say you do it forever, but you could do it for a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at how many, you know, in, in the in the commercial world of photography in the last 10 years, the, the market has flipped, right? Completely dropped almost. I mean, things just aren't what they used to be. And how many of like the big commercial guys are now shooting weddings, which for whatever reason used to kind of be like poo-pooed on. Like people would be like, oh, you shoot events? Like, sorry, event shooters are killing it and they're making ass loads of money and they're doing beautiful work at the same time. Like there's nothing like, okay, so your commercial gig isn't working right now, but like, hey, you still have a camera and you still have a lot of knowledge. You can go shoot a lot of different things. You know, I could go run a Facebook ad tomorrow and book, 10 family sessions and probably not work for the rest of the month. I don't like to do that, but if I had to, I could. And that's you know, awesome. That's <laughs> a, that's a great, no, that's a great example. I mean, I think wedding shooters are a prime example of what to do when something isn't working. And I use magic air quotes again, but like when the wedding's in the off season, you know, it's like yeah. there is a wedding off season. It's, it depends on what market you're in et cetera, et cetera. But like, that's when I see a lot of wedding shooters around here, pick up senior shoots mm -hmm. and family shoots. And like, that that very much is the well weddings aren't paying right now it's not they're not booking which is okay because they will come wedding season i'm gonna go kick my tail and go do something else yeah and that's i mean the the, the handful of wedding shooters i know that are really really successful um they're incredible people incredible artists they they are a little bit insane to to do what they do for a living because weddings are tough um but they also they shoot family portraits they shoot high school and college seniors and like they make a killing yeah. um and that's you know it's kind of part of the part of the gig yeah and you just gotta roll with the punches you know if you if you run if you're running into trouble and you try to do something else and that doesn't work again like just kind of keep your eyes open know when to move on and try a different avenue who knows you know it, it might it might shit i pulled all the product off of my website last year i sh i stopped showing all product and architecture. I literally only showed people. There's three galleries of people on my website. More than half of my salary this year will probably come from product. 
I thought I was out of the game, but literally I pulled all the stuff off and then the phone started ringing being like, Hey, remember those product shots you did? We want to do them for this company now. I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm not going to say no to that. Might not be what I want to do right now, but I'm going to do it because it puts food on the table and the shots are cool. And you know, I do like the work. It's just not what I thought it was going to be at that moment. So, but there's nothing wrong with that. Just roll with it. So do you think like in in order to, because, you know, I've been mulling this question over the past couple of weeks to myself, like, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's easy to, it's easy to say you're going to do it and get into this game and, you know, to have kind of the, it's almost like a new restaurant opening. There's the fanfare around it and you've got all the gung ho that you could, all your ambition is just ready to go for it Mm -hmm. and you hit the ground sprinting and you feel good about it. But then what happens in year two, you know, when that initial boon of things slows down and you got to start generating the new stuff or year three when, you know, okay, you're kind of in the middle of things now. And then year five, like how do you continue to remain a success when the only one to hold you accountable, the only one to kind of create your 2020 plan or your 2025 plan or your 2030 plan is you. You know, you don't have uh, the organizational muscle of other people to carry the weight for you, you know, to give you tasks to help carry out whatever that might be. It's it's just kind of on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like how do you, how do you continue to stay in business past year one, year two, year five, year t- 10? And it sounds to me, it's just knowing that whatever you, what you have to do what you have to do. Right. Part of it is just kind of like doing, knowing that you have to keep moving forward. I think years ago when I met people who at my desk job, who ran their own businesses, who I would kind of look at and be like, how do you run your own business? Like, isn't that really hard? And you don't seem like you're into hard things or hard work or, or maybe even a lot of thought, some of these people, you know, but, but they had running these wildly successful businesses. I was like, how do you do this year after year and not, I don't know, like it blew my mind and I just wasn't in the right mindset at that point to understand it all. Cause really, sorry, I feel this way. Running a business is not hard. You just have to be slightly organized and keep your shit, you know in a row, um, or your ducks in a row. (laughs) But, um, I, I, it's not like it's, it's not rocket science. None of this is, you know, you can buy all the online courses that uh, tell you to light this way or run your business this way, or uh, they're all different, right? It's just that that technique worked for that girl and that technique worked for that guy. And, you know, you got to pull bits and pieces of what works for you and just keep, you know, like we said, moving forward. Well, and I think that's that's the hardest thing to almost embrace though, right? You know, the idea that sometimes you got to take your medicine and it's like, I'd love to fill my, my, my portfolio with all the biggest, baddest shoots in the world, you know? Um, but mm-hmm. very, very much realize the idea that like, that's a cross section of a much larger pie that consists of very utilitarian things, things that are very practical, you know? Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the thought I've been like noodling and like while I'm driving by myself, you can just imagine this, right? Me driving, I'm using <laughs> the big hand 
wheel gesture. <laughs> Lots of gestures today. Um, <laughs> you imagine me sitting in my car thinking to myself like, okay, well, what does year two of this situation look like? What is year three? And how do you push forward? I don't know. I guess it's, it's the unknown. I, I think that's the part that even I've struggled with before. And I asked you this the day one that we started this was like, how do you get over the idea that you have nothing to do after you finish a job? That whole, the, the, there's no security blanket that says the phone will ring after this job is done. Don't worry. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's the part that takes the, that's like the hardest hump to get over because that's the biggest one of like, well, year two, does that happen? Does year five, does that happen? I don't know if it ever stops. I don't think so. <laughs> there's still moments where you kind of have to shake your head and just, you know, pick up the phone and be like, hey, it's been a while. Let's work together. <laughs> we were talking about this with Will. You know, it's like, what, what, sometimes you have to make that phone call like, hey, we should do something, <laughs> you know, to an old client or whatever. Yes, it's your. It's not always the client's responsibility to call you. Um, uh, Mike Graham, who we had on whatever months ago, I we were out drinking beers one night, and I said to him, "Do you ever just call? Like, do you ever just like come up with ideas and then call your client and go like, you know, it'd be a cool idea for you? Like, do you ever pitch your client instead of waiting for your client to call and be like, hey, I want to do this with my website?" And he was like, "We used to, but I'm busy now." <laughs> You know, and, it, and it's not that he didn't want to. He was just like, I wish I could. I just don't have time to do that anymore. And like, I I have that now. Like I have, not that I have time now, but like, not that I don't have time now, but I, I do this thing where I think like, what would be cool to do for this client? Like if I just shoot a client on a monthly basis or even a, whatever, a couple months, I kind of like keep a little list of ideas of like stuff that might be cool for them. And I'm, I'm not good at this in any, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this actively enough, but like, I should be calling them more and be like, "Hey, I had this great idea. We should we should work this into your next campaign or whatever." You can you can steal that one if you want. You can use that. <laughs> Book my next job thanks to David Bettino. Because <laughs> I told the client they needed to hire David Bettino. Told me that I should call you. Um, let's do some work together. <laughs> no, I mean, so you know, I don't know. I, I I ask you that as someone that has done this for a hot minute and has run the business and has kept the studio lights on. And I think that like, that's mm -hmm. something to be admired because, you know, like I mentioned before, we're in an industry or I've seen my fair share of people hang it up for a number of different reasons. Yeah. And, you know, some mostly a lot of them personal, uh, a couple of them circumstantial. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the, the part that I think, you know, if I'm being straight and being real about it, like that's the part that I kind of juggle with a lot is, you know, year one, year one's been great. It's been fantastic. I mean, like I've had incredible clients. I've had great people to call me up and offer, to, you know, give me opportunities to do some great work. And I hope that phone keeps ringing and I'm, I'm looking forward to what comes next. But then there's that little gremlin in the back of your head, you know, that, that eight after midnight and you drop some water on him and he's going, well, what does this look like in year three, bud? Are you still going to be doing this? You know, like right. how, and, and then, and then it flashbacks to, you know, the, the rational part of my brain is, okay, well, what do I have to do to continue to be on this for year three and year five and year 10? Right. You know, how do I, how do I self-insure that I stay at this and I right. don't have to hang it up for a circumstantial thing? You know, um, I don't have to hang it up. I don't have to exercise the option of, getting the security blanket of a job, right? Um, sure. 
because I think that's like, you know, in, in my experience, that's what I've seen a lot of people hang it up for. It's the, it's not consistent enough. I can't, I can't build my life around the, you know, the ups and the downs of it. And I get that. That totally makes sense. And so like, how can I self-insure? Sock away a lot of extra, you know, sock away anything that you get when you get it, you know, save up for those winters when it's going to be cold and no one wants to work. Um, But continuing that process and knowing that you have to diversify and you have to move. And like, if, if one part of your business isn't working, then it's okay to, to cut bait and go try a different part of that same business. Totally. Um, What's the old, you can't, you can't see the forest through the trees, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a statement. People say yeah, that they do. still. I, I say it all it's, the time. It's true. I'm an old man, so yeah. <laughs> but you, it's it's there's there's some validity in it. It's very difficult to know where you're at and see if things are going well. It is very difficult to do that, and that's why successful companies aren't usually one guy sitting behind a desk. It's tens of people or you know hundreds of people or thousands of people that make that cog work because you can't do it by yourself one brain can't come up with all that stuff so like you know i'll I'll, I'll bring it all the way back around so like you know knowing when the idea is flawed knowing when the shoot is flawed or when the career is flawed isn't always up to you and you might not always be the most wide-eyed person to recognize that and so take a look around and ask a multitude of people because you know the other the other dangerous thing is i've i've done a lot where i've called someone and said like hey what do you think and they go well, that's a stupid idea and you immediately go like yeah me too i thought that was dumb i'm not going to do that but three other people might be like that's brilliant so yeah surround yourself and you know don't believe everyone <laughs> words to live by the art of the pivot and uh determination yeah i got it good times um all right let's talk cameras hit me with it david patino Cameras. I know for sure that you haven't touched one, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Give me your thoughts on the DJI Osmo Action. I'm co- yeah, I'm confident that DJI exists to eat GoPro's lunch. Like if we could, <laughs> like if we could put DJI on GoPro and we could just make them people. D- DJI DJI is like the knuckle dragon dude that like eats the little skinny guy's lunch every day, and that guy's like, okay, that's cool, man. No, no worries. I I wasn't hungry anyway. No, it's uh that thing is fantastic and it's oddly similar to the gopro hero 7 black um i mean applauding because like i've used the hero 7 black Uh, i used it in guatemala on my last like big tv shoot that's a fantastic little camera like it's it's like in their hyper smooth thing and that's their like trademarked thing it's incredible the way that stabilization works absolutely insane but from what i can gather from the early reviews of this action osmo action that's even better Oh, yeah, is it really? from like there's a so I, I'm a I'm a big nerd. I watch iPhone reviews or iPhone uh, tech reviews, and there's this guy iPhone Doe, yeah. iPhone with Do at the end. Um, he does incredible okay. reviews. He's super super good at them. Um, but he has this one where he's like he has them all on you know mounted on a crossbar, um, like GoPro Seven Black Osmo Action, and then like a Sony camera just for control, I guess. And like he just he does cool. this like this jostling left and right shaky cam movement. I mean, like imagine if you're like in an earthquake and that was happening and the Osmo footage is like laser smooth. It's, it's incredible. Um, That said, it only, there's no way to have a backup recording method. So I, I, 
I, I guess they dropped the ball on yeah. that. I mean, it's just as garbagey. Uno micro yeah, SD. Yeah, what are you right? going to do with that? What happens when, you know, your card gets corrupt? See, DJ, they had the opportunity to seize the market and produce a dual card action slot. Action cam. Action yeah. cam. And they, and they blew, blew it. it. Nice work, DJ. All the fancy stabilization in the world can't save you now. I cannot wait for the impending fire sale of said action cameras. Because I'll have to buy two of them for continuity's exactly. sake. That's how I record two mediums. I just record two cameras. I run two GoPro or two action cameras on every action shoot. Um, guys, that was episode and on that that's note, episode 14. Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of Office Hours. We really appreciate you listening. Um, if you liked what you heard, uh, share it with a friend. Do give us a like and a comment. Um, send us your questions. You know, I think that's one of the fun things that we really love getting a kick out of is when folks send us questions um, and we'd love to tackle them here on the next episode of the podcast. Uh, until then, uh, yeah, we appreciate you hanging out. This podcast is produced by my buddy, David Patino at the Tannery Studio in Stanhope, New Jersey with the help of Katie Lantuck. And occasionally I lend a hand and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. See you next time.